This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why it's can't like you v- say tires? Vive Clouteau. It's the same Just thing. Just say tires. Uh, where, where do we pick up from? Hi, uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. In 2014, a failed stand-up comic entered a contest called The Hunt for the Host. He did not win. Later, he was joined by an underperforming Oregon State fullback with a community college degree. These men, neither having earned the position and possessing no real skills, continue on as radio personalities. If you have nothing better to do on a Saturday morning, and if you can find them, maybe you can hear The Sinner and the Saint. Starring Luke Anderson. Get on, we get on a, uh, we get on a gentleman's clubs. Oh. How you like those? Oh, hey, everybody. Mickey Mouse, no. It is now. Devolved into that. And Will Darkens. Ear or eye? Where do you want it? On 1080 The Fan. Yeah. All right, welcome in to hour two. Center and Saint right here on 1080 The Fan. If you missed anything from hour one... Why? What else were you doing? What better do you have to do than listen to this radio program? I mean, this should be appointment listening every week. Um, I'm just, I'm disappointed. I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. But you can go back and listen to the podcast. Go to 1080thefan.com. Les Schwab Tires presents that for you. You're welcome. Ducks football. Ducks football, Will Darkens. <laughs> Seven days. Six hours, 24 minutes, and 25 seconds away from kickoff in Jarrah's world. <laughs> down in Dallas against the Auburn Tigers, a foe that has foiled the Ducks national championship aspirations before. Hot, hot. Little bit of a rivalry there between these two schools, but you've got Auburn coming off of uh, not one of their best seasons, starting a true freshman at quarterback. <laughs> Setting up pretty well for Oregon. This is a game they should win, but one of their weakest groups, position groups last year, the wide receiver position has already suffered injuries to Brandon Schooler. You've got Jawan Johnson, the transfer coming in, who's cramping this week. Uh, All signs point to him being okay for week one, but not a good sign when he leaves practice uh, on Tuesday this week. Wednesday, he missed practice. Micah Pittman's already out six to eight weeks. So you're, you're testing the depth of a position that I think probably worries most Duck fans already. What do you expect the Ducks to be able to do against Auburn next week, and how much do you hate the hype going into next weekend? I don't hate the hype at all. In fact, I am actually a victim of the hype because mm. if anybody remembers, any Duck fans remember, you did play Auburn in the 2011 national title game. Yep. Cam Newton was on the other team. Oh, I thought he was playing for the Ducks. I was like, I don't remember that at all. Whew. Okay. 
He played for Auburn. Wait, really? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was going to say, like, that was a big thing. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, is that why we hate him so much? It was a really huge deal. Well, no, it's it's all the other stuff. Eh, partly, though. Auburn. If anybody can remember that game in particular, there was one play that I think. His name was down! Uh, oh, no. <laughs> dude, if you want to get into that. You don't want to get into that, do you? No, no, I'm just kidding. His name was down. Yeah, please don't. Don't do that. Do what? That is, I will do say, what? that and um, uh, Kenny, Wheaton. Kenny Wheaton are the two <laughs> most insufferable parts. I, I, I'm sorry, dude. Like, those are two things that that fan base needs to let go. Uh, yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll make them let go. A national championship. Yes, it will. It will. It will. It will. Except for the Kenny Wheaton thing. They will oh, always no, go yeah. back that to the stupid always, Kenny Wheaton That will thing. always be the moment. Yeah. That will always be the moment they look back to. Well, it's just, it's just, it's ex- exact same thing as when Ryan Nall ran all over Oregon and they won that uh, Civil War game. Yeah, dude, that's, I forgot about that. Dude, that's the moment where Gary Anderson really took over as the leader of the Oregon State. Yeah. Which is why I selectively forgot. Yeah, it's why you should. What I was going to say is in that 2011 national title game, there's one play in particular that really isn't, I don't think, looked at all that much by other people that follow football. But I always go back to it because I say that is what embodied that game and that big narrative of that game. It was a draw read for Darren Thomas. And it was around on, I want to say, like the seven-yard line heading in. They pull the draw. It is a zone-blocking scheme. And Nick Fairley, who had a really great NFL career after he got drafted. Mm. He did. He just ended it not very well. But Nick Fairley basically sees the line moving, reads it perfectly, and when they snap it, he just sits there, waits for the hole, runs through it untouched, and, like, knocks Darren Thomas over. Yeah. He doesn't hit him. He literally just kind of, like, puts him down. Yeah. That, to me... Picks him up like a baby, cradles yes. him in his arms, sets him down on the chair. And then just goes, light. you're done. That's it. Yeah. That, to me, was everything you needed to know about the battle between the Pac-12, the SEC, Oregon, yep. other teams. Yep. And that, I think, is what you really need to bring into this battle coming on next weekend, is... Oregon has now built up an offensive and defensive line that you could arguably say is as physical, is as big, is as talented as any other SEC line. Can they now perform? Well, Can they do something against an SEC team, which many people around the country regard as a quality team on the biggest stage? Can you show everybody that the Pac-12 is not just a niche league that's about speed and confusion and spread offenses and blah, blah, blah. Is it about what Mario Cristobal has been preaching this whole time, which is we're going to get down there and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, what is it? Ugly four, ugly (laughs) four is going to get down there thinking, how can we make ugly four? And it it is going to push people around. That's what you got to think about. There's there's two things. So it's funny because the wide receiver core is getting a lot of attention. You just asked me about the Seattle Seahawks and the injuries they have at the wide receiver position. I don't think it's all that different, different between the Seahawks and the the Ducks in the idea that, dude, the Ducks want to run the football first. The depth chart they have at running back, when you talk about Dye and Burdell and some of these young guys that are coming in that want to make a, a, a impact, a BB Leakio, 
all these guys can run the football. They've got six or eight guys that would be the featured back at most Pac-12 programs. And you can just get behind that offensive line and establish yourselves. But I think with both teams, you get a little bit fooled because the quarterback is the big name on both the team, Russell Wilson and and now Justin Herbert coming back. And you go, all right, if he if his receivers step up for him, this guy can have his Heisman campaign, he can, whatever. Dude, you have a great offensive line like that. It's a lot easier that for them to push downhill and get behind to get those running backs behind them and really establish themselves. And if you give Justin Herbert third and short, where then you have, you know, not obvious passing downs where you don't require him to throw it 16 yards to pick up a first down, well, that's going to make things a lot easier. And Justin Herbert not having to be the man, I think will allow it a lot easier to make him look like the man. I think I'm going to echo what a lot of Duck fans are also thinking about the offense and the running game in particular, because you're making a good point is that, yeah, man, you got to rely on that offensive line that has a couple of All-Americans on it, potential All-Americans on it, that I don't want to see the pistol formation. It seemed like every (laughs) single time during last season when they were running out of the pistol formation, the ball did not go anywhere. And I've had a huge gripe about the pistol as a primary form of offensive formation for a long time because it's very easy to tell if play action is going to happen. If you're in a spread set with a running back that's like right next to you as a quarterback, you can really screw people up when it comes to play action because you can just hold the ball. Mm -hmm. But there's that gap in between the running back, the quarterback, and the offensive line that you have all this room to see what's going on. And in terms of the pistol, it's not like it's an elongated play where the quarterback's coming from under center. He's running all the way over and, and he you has have his to back hold it. To, and he has his back to the defense. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Then you're kind of following it. You're yep. like, what's going to happen? Yep. No, 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 man. In the pistol, it's about a half a second. You go, oh, that's a run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, oh, yeah, he doesn't because, have the ball. It's a pass. Yeah. It cuts, it cuts the decision time down and there's not the, the theatrics. Watch Aaron Rodgers play quarterback and don't, Watch him throw the ball. Don't watch for him to throw the ball. Don't watch him for him to head up. Watch what he does in in between all those in between moments. I think that's what one of the things that makes him the best. It's like if you're trying to run a guy off the field, he will always get the snap off and catch you with twelve guys on the field. If you have a guy out of position, he'll get the quick snap and do that. When he has a pause, there's a certain amount of calm that he has where he can hold it half a second longer than another guy that turns to turns the defense into a little bit more of a waiting game. And I think those are the things that in college football, some of that nuance is lost because the offenses are, you know, move so quickly. And Could I th- be. I but think at the lo- same time, I think what you're speaking to, what Aaron Rodgers does so well, which is moving the secondary, that's something Justin Herbert, we haven't seen him do particularly well yet. Well, but you don't see it in, in college football as as often. No. The, the, the offenses in the SEC operate under our guys are bigger than your guys, our guys are faster than your guys. There's not as much subtlety in it. Tom Brady's the master of that. He will, he will check down to open up things later in the game. I mean, you've seen him have terrible first halves, terrible quarters in Super Bowls. And a lot of times you don't realize that they are setting you up for later and they're trying to figure out how you're going to play certain things. Even though they're not throwing the ball to those spots, they're going, what's going to be open later in the game? And then when the comes down to crunch time, they have the poise, they have the calm to kind of pick apart those things. So Justin Herbert, having played four years as a, a quarterback at the at Oregon, not all in the same offense, now with year two, for the first time having year two of a coaching staff and having Marcus Arroyo coming back, how much more of a player on or a coach on the field can he be at the quarterback position? Because that's something that 
that I think is underrated is just going, all right, I have the experience. I understand this offense that much better, and I can kind of be calm in those moments of chaos. Something to look for. Possibly. <laughs> no. Possibly, Luke. <laughs> you disagree with me in that? I don't know. I feel like we're getting into uh, echo chamber analysis talk. You know what I mean? No. Well, it's one of those things where, like, we're so close to the football season and and everything's been said already. Yeah, everything's been said already. And this is what I don't like about week zero, which I, I wish I would have, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I wish I would have mentioned this in our uh, week zero talk in the first hour, which is just that, like, week zero to me, like, you're still on the edge of, like, ah, I want to get a deep dive into this, but it's just two games that don't really mean a lot to me unless it is sure. my team. Yeah. I mean, I, you made a good point that was, like, this is probably the most high-profile week zero game we've ever had, but... I say that, you know, I think that rival to that rivalry between Miami and Florida is kind of dead now, at least yeah. across the country. Sure. Um, so, you know, it's just this thing where it's like, how many times can we talk about Justin Herbert needing to step up? Well, but I don't think it's necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I, I get your point. I see what you're saying. It's like everything that's been said, let's just go play some football. I'm doing some action. And, and you should be. But the other thing, too, is we don't know what this offense is going to look like. And I guess maybe that's my point is as much as we think we're going to get a replay of next year, because all of the same pieces are in position, it's not going to be the same. It's going to evolve a little bit. And you just wonder if, because there's been a ton of complaint last season in this offseason. Marcus Arroyo does not have an offense that, that makes you think of the great duck teams and he's never going to. So the question is, what is this team going to look like in year two? Are they going to get better? And this is something we talked about a little bit earlier. Are those guys going to develop? Yeah, we know that they brought in a high-profile recruiting class. We know that they have high-performing high uh, returning players. It's what happens in the middle. What does Aaron Feld do to make these guys that much bigger, stronger, faster? The guys that aren't going to the NFL, the guys that are just filling in spots, are they better on special teams? It's just so much waiting. What else can you talk about? Dwight Howard. You want to talk about Dwight Howard? Yeah. Let's do it. Dwight Howard has a new team, but it's an old team. If you haven't heard about it, we'll tell you about it next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. Here's my final point on the deck. Oh. Wait, wait, what? Better you today, text line. Bottom line, catcher's got to catch it. It will come down to the AU secondary versus our pass game. If we can't pass, we lose. I just don't think that's true. How'd they beat Washington last year? Uh, Washington sucked. You know your they won the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah, but people can't see it, but I'm just kind of waving my hand like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I mean, I, I woke up and worked out this morning, so that's about even par of achievements. Seriously, dude. Hey. You remember that Pac-12 title game? It was ugly football. Remember? What no, was, dude. It was not even football. <laughs> no one scored. What was the uh, Ducks final score of the Ducks bowl game? Oh, I don't know. Didn't they like even kick? Did they kick a field goal? <laughs> dude, I, I seriously don't think there was even field goals in the Pac-12 title game. I might be embellishing there, but yeah, it was it was horrible. I I understand that, but if you're expecting it to be 65-64 in Auburn, Oregon. You may not get it. Could be. <laughs> Is that what you're expecting? That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> That's what you're hope, hoping for. Hey, baby, catcher's going to catch. Catcher's got to catch. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Catcher's got to catch. Uh, So, 
you could not be more excited about Dwight Howard. Gotta love him. Do you? Yes. Okay, Dwight Howard. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up. Have you started loving him yet? Uh, I have n- I have not. It is started. required. I'm waiting it for for it to be official. But Dwight, well, Howard, you better watch out because people Howard are quiz. coming by making sure you're loving him. Dwight Howard quiz for you, real quick. Okay. Can you tell me the teams that he's played for in the last four years? Yes. Okay. Go. Uh, he has played for last four seasons. I'm looking for 15, 16, 16, 17, 17, 18, and then last year 18, 19. He has played for the Washington Wizards. Okay, that was last year. He has played for the Charlotte Hornets. Nice. He has played for the Memphis Grizzlies. No. Oh. He never, um, never played. He was he was released from the Memphis Grizzlies this week, but he never actually played uh, in a Grizzlies uniform. Uh, I want to say he was on like Phoenix or something. No. All right. Well, who were the other two? <laughs> uh, well, he was in Houston for three years, and oh. then he went to Atlanta, Charlotte, Washington. Ah, that's it, Atlanta. I mean, this guy went from leading a team to the NBA Finals in Orlando to one year in Los Angeles to being kind of a disappearing act. But the the crazy thing is his numbers aren't all that terrible. I mean, you're looking at over the last four years, I mean, he's still averaging 15.8 points per game. He's averaging right around 12 rebounds a game. He, I mean, he's still a guy that can make an impact. And the eh, re- he's basketball dinosaur, dude. He's one of those guys with, like, good numbers, but then, like, if you put him in any, into any modern NBA system, like, I, I don't know, isn't it kind of weird that every team he's been on seems to suck? Well, again, <laughs> like, he, again, he played for Houston, Atlanta, Charlotte, Washington. Houston was a decent team, but he was he, well, he was not the focal point. Well, they weren't they weren't good. Man, whatever. I think it was okay. So exclude Houston, but the yeah. other ones. Yeah. It just it's kind of weird that like all those teams suck that he was on. Okay, so so Dwight Howard does not have the ability to lead a team any longer. We'll both agree with that. Part of the thing about Houston is I was saying he was not the impact player they expected him to be as far as a co-leader on the team. The reason we're talking about Dwight Howard is he is now taking over the roster spot that was occupied by Boogie Cousins in Los Angeles. So Boogie Cousins, if you didn't hear, tore his ACL. He's going to be out for the uh, 2019-2020 season. So JaVale McGee was the only true center that they had on their roster. This week they add Dwight Howard to their roster. You've got uh, who's who's their big star down there in Los Angeles? What's his name? Kyle Kuzma. Then you've got a couple other guys that uh, – Probably you would put ahead of Dwight Howard. Oh, yeah, LeBron and Anthony Davis. So now you have him. Is All you need to do is go out and rebound, play defense, which is Dude, kind of- you're making this too simple. Okay, go ahead. I mean, this is like the same thing, the same logic that's going on with Carmelo Anthony. It's like all you got to do is come off the bench and you well, know, no, flow into the offense and score 15 points. It's like, no, it's not going to be that easy. Okay. It's so, just not because Dwight Howard gets in his own way. He's somebody that at every single stop, he's always caused issues. Wow. He just has. He's yeah. caused issues. Even though he puts in numbers that look good on paper, again, the double-doubles are fine, and that's okay, but he doesn't fit into a modern NBA offense because, one, and most importantly of all, and I don't even know if I have to go past one, he can't shoot Yeah, but you're missing, at all. You're missing the other thing. He's putting up good numbers. But he, he's been on four teams in four years. He can't get along with anybody. 
Yes. I, mean, I mean, that's exactly where I was going with the setup. So now you have LeBron James who tries to dictate all the terms on which the coaching staff, the front office, the players are organized around him. And now you bring in a guy that can't stay on the team. What happened last time Dwight Howard was in Los Angeles? They were really good. <laughs> he couldn't get along with anybody and he was gone. And outside of the three years he spent in Houston where we kind of forgot he was in Houston, he he bounced from team to team. I mean, at one point, this guy was defensive player of the year right in every single year, all-star. He he did have the ability to go and lead that team, but he's a head case. Dude, Dwight Howard is the NBA equivalent of a mill worker. <laughs> he is. Explain that to me. Well, because he's somebody who, for a very long time, basketball, all right, I'm going to get my Colin Cowherd phase. Are you ready? Do it, please. Hold on. All right. So check this out. Uh, you probably got a buddy that worked at the mill, right? Yeah, who doesn't have a buddy that worked at the mill? Is that right, Joyce? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I know. Somebody okay, at so the you mill. got a buddy that works at the mill for thirty years. He's been doing the same thing at the mill. He's been working the mill. I I mean, I guess I can see that. doing great at the mill. Uh-huh, okay. But all of a sudden. They bring in computers to the mill that do the job better than your buddy. That's what's going on with Dwight Howard. He's your buddy at the mill. He did things very well that the rest of the NBA did for 30 years, and now it's changed, and he doesn't know what he's doing. So he never learned how to use the machines? That's right, Hot Joyce. <laughs> Joy. It's Joy Taylor. Not Joyce. Really? Yeah, Joy Taylor. Oh, my God. I thought it was Joyce this whole time. Her Joyce this whole Colin, come on. You gotta be better. Know her name. <laughs> you just got her for the TV side of things, but let's come on. Be better. Dwight Howard. Yes, he he's the mill worker, dude. He just he didn't he didn't adapt at all. Like he's seriously like it is so important now that every position on the floor can shoot. That like if you can't shoot in the NBA, you're either Dwight Howard or or JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee or Rajon Rondo, who's like the only one I can think of that slightly makes it work. Where are those three players on? Where are <laughs> they playing? I know. See what I'm saying? Isn't it? Yeah. So. Well, isn't it like the traditional NBA uh, logic, too, that like if you have LeBron James, you need shooters? Because that's how he yeah, works. It's yes. like he draws a yeah. defense in and then. Coos. Yeah. Coos. Like, why didn't they go get shooters? I mean, I know they tried. I know Danny Green, I guess, is kind of a shooter, even though yeah. he sucked in the NBA Finals this past year. Yeah. But, like, I just... Wait, didn't, wasn't he on the winning team? Well, but he sucked, though. I mean, that's the same thing as, like, he I was, don't know, Chris Bosh being on all those Heat teams. <laughs> like, wait, he was, was he? meh. All right. Well, uh, Dwight Howard, now a Los Angeles Laker. Does this, uh, I don't know, does it give you any pause that the Lakers are going to be either... Does it put you in the camp of the Lakers going to be more of a disaster or more of a threat in the West? Uh, I think it kind of slightly throws a wrench into what you might have previously thought about the Lakers because now think about this, too. And this might be the advantage that they could play off of, and I want to preface this late in the season, (laughs) is uh, that you have two dudes that are incredible at defense uh, in the paint. And Mm -hmm. so now... Uh, you know, if you can, as the Los Angeles Lakers get yourself into a playoff situation, 
uh, you're really going to be forcing a lot of teams to shoot because uh, no one's coming into that paint at all trying to get those tough points. So, hey, maybe some teams will beat you at the three, but more likely than not, unless you're playing somebody like the Warriors with all their good players back, um, yeah. you know, you could have a good chance because they're going to have to shoot to beat you. And really, the Warriors are the only team consistently that has been able to do that to mass success uh, of anybody in the NBA. So there's the advantage. But the regular season, like, cross your fingers. Could be bad. Could be good. Should be fun to watch. Yes. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, ooh. Oh, I know where we need to go. I was trying to remember what it was. Oh. Uh, you see what Tom Brady tried to trademark? No. <laughs> oh, Got some Tom Brady talk, and this is kind of super ridiculous because I don't know that Tom Brady's ever gone by this name. But we talk about Tom, we do it next, right after this Sports Interrupted. All right, welcome back. Luke Anderson, Will Darkens with There's you on a Saturday morning. We're one week away from the Ducks the kickoff to football season, but if you need to scratch that itch, you've got Miami playing against Florida. And the camping world kickoff spectacular. You also got some high school action right now. Right meow? High Maryland school? versus Florida. High school? Yeah. Started already? I think it's the two best teams from each state playing. Are you jacked for high school football this year? How's Lake O gonna be? Uh we will see. <laughs> as it is We've been uh, hanging out at practices. Well, as it is All recently right, the rosters keep getting slimmer and slimmer yeah the, the the turnout you mean well it's all those educated liberal <laughs> snowflake parents who want to keep their kids out of football yeah like throw them in there Just let's get them go in there. listen concussions how you learn no okay. <laughs> i do love that saying you like that saying I almost feel like we should put that on a huge poster and put it in the fan studio. Concussion, Concussion is how you learn. <laughs> uh, all right. So we already have one submission. I kind of like this. Uh, what do you think the nickname is that Tom Brady applied for? Somebody came in and said, Tommy Supermodel? Now, did he patent for this? He he was actually rejected. Tom Brady oh. submitted an application to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, and his request was refused. They refused his application. Do they know that it was Tom Brady? So hey, the this isn't the first time. What are you talking about? Deflate well, he's been, he's been refused a bunch of times. Oh, if you he? remember, oh, he's drafted so low. Oh, I see what you're doing there. What what nickname do you think he tried to get? Uh, Tommy Two Tone. Tommy, yeah, Tommy. It was already taken. He's like, damn it. <laughs> He's like, what if he had no? What if he had no reference for that? <laughs> like he had never heard the song. <laughs> Yeah, he's just and like no one ever sang it in front of him or yeah. anything. Well, no, no, but people are like, "Hey, Tommy Two Tone." He's like, "I like that. I like the way that sounds." And then they start singing eight six seven five three zero nine too. And he's like, "Dude, I like people keep calling me that. I'm gonna go with that." Now he applied to be Tom Terrific. Yeah, that's awful. So Tom Terrific is the the, the reason it was rejected. Isn't that it was awful? But have you ever heard anybody call Tom Brady Tom Terrific? No. Yeah. Never. 
Why is he doing this anyway? What 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 advertising or personal financial gain purpose does this bring to Tom Brady to be referred to as Tom Terrific? I I do not know, but Tom Terrific, and you probably don't know this, is the nickname of baseball Hall of Famer Tom Seaver. Oh, well now I think they should probably give it to him. Give it to Tom Brady. Yeah. Because he's trying to take it from somebody. No, just because it's a baseball player with a stupid nickname. Yeah, Brady. Uh, well, yeah, but uh, baseball players have the dumbest nicknames. That's ever. fine, but nobody. I've never heard anybody call Tom Brady Tom Terrific. That's, you haven't? No. Have you ever called him that? Old Tommy Two Tone. I've called him that before. <laughs> Brady applied for the trademark in June and insisted then that he was not trying to take the nickname from baseball of famer Tom Seaver. In fact explained he wanted to trademark the name to prevent people from using it, and he doesn't like it. So he, <laughs> so Tom Brady... Dude, he did it out of spite. He's like, stop calling me that! So he wanted he wanted to trademark it so people would not call him Tom Terrific. He, he's doing it to protect it from Tom Seaver. Why didn't you just call up Tom Seaver and say, hey, can you do me a favor and trademark this so people can't use it on shirts? I just love he's doing this out of spite. Well, it's, it's Tom it's Brady. It's total spite. It's Tom Brady. He does a lot of things out of spite, I trust. I I, I was hoping he would do it literally to t- steal um, it's Tom Seaver's Tom Seaver's name. <laughs> because nickname. to me, like, there there is nothing worse than baseball nicknames. Okay, well, you don't need to get on your whole baseball soapbox. You actually liked something in baseball this week. What? The uniforms. Oh, yeah, whatever. What do you mean, whatever? Tom Terrific. Well, listen, we don't have to. Oh, he's a Tom Terrific. Give me some other baseball nicknames. Uh, Let's see. Oh, he's a great Bambino. (laughs) Mr. October. Yeah, all he does is friggin' abuse women and go out and hit home runs. Mr. October. Mr. October. Great. What? What? Reggie Jackson. Oh, cool. Hitting home runs in October. Mr. October. Oh, wow. God, that's so creative. What's your favorite sports nickname? My favorite sports nickname? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Maybe Tiger. (laughs) That's a nickname, right? Give me a better nickname than Tom Terrific. Oh, you're looking it up. You're cheating using the interwebs. You're lazy. All right, how about this? What what nickname? Oh, quarterback Jesus. (laughs) Clipboard Jesus. You even got it wrong. No, not to me. Charlie White or or clipboard Jesus. Um, Did you see the other story? This was from last week, and we we didn't talk about it last week, or maybe we did. Carly Lloyd hit a fifty-five year old year old hit a fifty-five year old. She's terrible. Go on. (laughs) Carly Lloyd hit a fifty-five year old man. (laughs) What What was his name? Uh, Pat Shermer. Did Uh, he like it? He did. He's totally into it. Carly Lloyd hit a 55-yard field goal at Philadelphia Eagles practice. She was just out there just goofing around with the boys and was seeing if she could hit a 61-yarder. She didn't miss a 57-yarder, but the big news was that she made a 55-yarder that looked like it would have been good from 65. This week it came out, and she was talking with, let me credit the uh, source here, Uh, she was talking with Planet Football TV. And she said that she actually did receive genuine inquiries after people saw that video. So she didn't say who, but people in football actually talked to her about coming out and trying out for the kicker position. 
So what nickname would you give Carly Lloyd if she were your place kicker for your, what's your team, Rams? Yeah. For a long time now. Big Rams fan. Yeah, two years. Yeah. Actually going on two. That's um, true. It was mid-season two years. I got to tell you, I might stay stay away from that one. <laughs> There's something about that question you asked me that could lead into some bad territory. Okay. Did she really get, like, calls from people? This is what she is saying. She said, there's been some interesting chatter about it. I think anything is possible. It's really been interesting because, for me, I'm an athlete. I'm a competitor, but for so many other people, I think they're starting to think, they're, uh, will there ever be a female in the NFL at some point? And to think of it kind of at a crossroads as far as equality and, you know, just women empowerment. So you're kind of at a cross, at the cross in the crosshairs here. Um and I've definitely got some inquiries. I definitely got some people thinking anything's possible. But right now, I'm strictly a soccer player. And we'll see what the future holds. But she said, she, you know, so it's kind of mixed in there. But she said she got some inquiries. Well, I think this has been tried many times before, the whole idea of having a woman kicker. And I, I think... Well, we've seen it in college football. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not been tried a lot. to football. You see it all the time in high school football. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's one of those things where... You know, yes, it is encouraging. And, you know, if she is the best person for the job, then, yeah, hire her. But at the same time, I think what's so, you know, what's kind of hanging over this is the whole idea of, like, you know, the NFL is not very sensitive to the idea of uh, equality among men and women. And they show that through secondary actions like, say, you know, the whole Ray Rice scandal or, you know, Kareem Hunt hitting a woman and then not banning him or yeah. not doing anything more than just suspending him for a few games or, you know, something like a guy throwing his girlfriend on a couch full of machine guns. Okay, but that's not the league doing that. That's individual players doing that. The league has the, a, league the, league, the league has hired uh, uh, NFL if it, well, what? I just everything the NFL does, and I'm glad this is coming up because this is a <laughs> no, because this is a bigger conversation. Everything the NFL does in terms of trying to act more inclusive to all genders, uh, it's they're band aids. I, I mean, they're never full like, hey, let's try to change the league and the league's perception. It's all just kind of like, oh well, let's just hire some women refs. How about we do that? But, but that is a small step, and it's not an insignificant step. You're poo-poo, poo-pooing it like they're not doing anything for inclusion. Even if they can do more, doing something is better than doing nothing. That's, I think that's that if saying. you have cases where you have players that are abusing women or getting accused of domestic assault, and maybe it goes through and they're shown to have you know, actually done it, like in the Ray Rice case, even though I know Ray Rice never got hired again, he was still able to get a job. He could have. I think in that case, you go, you're banned for life. Yeah. Didn't the NBA do this with Don Sterling? Where it was something where he didn't even physically hurt somebody. He was just really racist. And Adam Silver came out and goes, you're done. But we that's also, you. but the difference between the Donald Sterling thing is the players got up and demanded that they make that change. You don't see other players in the NFL standing up going, hey, listen, we don't want people that hit women in our league. If these players do that, nobody protested against Greg Hardy coming back. Nobody protested about, I mean, even the, the child abuse thing with Tyreek Hill and Adrian Peterson coming back. 
the players stood up against Donald Sterling as much as the league did. And the fact that he was banned for life is, is appropriate action, but it was led in large part due to the players where they were not going to stand for it. And the players as a league have not stood up and said the players union, the players on the field, they have not had protests for that. We've seen the NFL do protests, but not for, for the thing that you're talking about right now. Somebody does have a good uh, nickname for Carly Lloyd on the better you today. Text line. Five, five, careful. Careful. Oh, this is pretty good. I, just, I haven't seen it. Carly Kicker. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's easy. I will say the one uh, baseball nickname I did enjoy was um, or, the big or, unit. No, the big unit. Yeah, the big unit's a great one. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah. And then apparently Kathy Ireland was a lights-out college kicker in the early 90s. <laughs> necessary, necessary Roughness. What was that? You've never seen the movie Necessary Roughness with with Sinbad? With Sinbad. I don't know why that was so difficult to say. But, yeah, Kathy Ireland was the, the kicker on that team. Necessary roughness. Necessary roughness. They wore green. Oh, man. You know what's funny? They're, it's a um, ragtag group. So I'm looking at the movie poster for this thing. Yeah. And uh, they <laughs> – dude, they stole Major League. You yes, know, the it's mo- Major League for football. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Hold on a second. You know the movie poster for Major League yeah. uh, is the baseball with glasses on and the mohawk. For necessary roughness, they have a football with sunglasses, bullhorns, a cowboy hat. Yes, and because they're in Texas. Hold on a second. I'm confirming a spur. Yeah, on the they're bottom. in Texas, and the cowboy, the cowboy quarterback, and they pull him off the range to come back. Oh, I'm never going back to play football. And they're like, "But we need you, Jet, or whatever his name is." Been a long time since I've seen that movie, but it was a very obvious attempt at making Major League for football. Man. Yeah. Even in the 90s, they ran out of ideas. I'm going to do a double feature. I'm going to watch Major I know. Oh, let's. Well, hey, it's time. We'll tell you what to watch, but I'll, I'll preview it right now. I'll tell you what I'm watching. I'm going to find a copy of Major League and Necessary Roughness, both on VHS, and watch them back to back. That is a sad weekend. Oh, that is a fantastic weekend. <laughs> Actually, that gives me an idea. Maybe we'll talk about that next. It's what to watch. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. Which is the most exciting matchup in the field of competition? Which game will leave you kicking yourself if you miss it? Which channel should you switch to when the sporting day is gone? Welcome to America's most exciting sports talk radio show segment. It's time for What to Watch. Presented by Encore Audio Video. Now hear this. Whether you're looking for a new TV or a custom home theater, start at Encore's showroom at 14th and Everett in the Pearl. Now our expert panel, avid television viewer Will Darkins. And increasingly out-of-touch father of twin girls, Luke Anderson. Are here to tell you what to watch. Literally. It's what to watch on The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Finally, 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 we have college football to watch. We have college football. It's actual games that matter. If Florida has aspirations of being in the college football playoff, it begins now. It's Miami. Four o'clock today. Pumped. What are you watching? What are you watching today? What in sports are you watching for, Will Darkens? Uh, 
Looking for a Florida win. That's pretty weak. That's it. That's it. That's about it. Actually, I'm looking at Khalil Tate, to be quite honest. That's fair. Again, I'm going to continue my narrative that I don't care too much about that Florida-Miami game. It doesn't really mean anything to me. What means more to me is that Arizona-Hawaii game, and I'm being serious in that I think if Khalil Tate starts to have an incredible season um, under his second year with Kevin Sumlin, I think that you could start to possibly see a narrative that Khalil Tate is a better prospect than Justin Herbert for the NFL. And the only reason I say that is because there's all this trending going along that teams are taking smaller quarterbacks. You saw it with Baker Mayfield. You now see it with Kyler Murray. If Khalil Tate can prove that he can throw, and we know he can already run, and he has the legs, I don't know. Maybe he's somebody that's a little bit more attractive. I don't know if he becomes more attractive, but he has everything you need to be a great college quarterback. And not all little guys end up getting drafted. I know that we've seen a little bit, bit, bit more of it lately. But I like how you put that. <laughs> Thank you. Not all little guys. <laughs> Listen, there's plenty of great college football quarterbacks that don't even get sniffed by the NFL, and most of them are small. Um, so I agree with you because I'm looking at Khalil Tate as well, but I found it interesting that you know who's right next to Khalil Tate on the Heisman watch list? Who's that? Felipe Franks. Um, so if you want to talk about guys going out and making impact, if, if Florida is going to be a team that's going to be an impact team in the SEC, I think they need to go out and use it as a statement game. You have a, a rookie head coach. You've got a starting true freshman at quarterback against Miami. You want to go out and make use it as a statement game. I think the same thing holds true for Arizona. Uh, Utah right now is the team picked to win the Pac-12 South. Which is weird, by the way. It is, and that makes me think that there's going to be uh, a lot of teams kind of uh, thinking that they have a shot down there. And Kevin Sumlin had success at A&M before he came out here, and I think a lot of people thought it was a good hire, but he didn't have the success in year one that people hoped he would. So I think for both Arizona and Florida, I think he uses this as a statement game, and I think for both of them, it starts at the quarterback position. If these guys want to be true Heisman candidates, when was the last time we saw the Heisman front runner show themselves in the preseason they don't they they slowly build and these are two guys that have potential to do it so i'll be watching for blowouts and i'll be watching for the quarterback position in both of those games i would potentially lead. say that kevin sumlin almost falls under the jeff green theory <laughs> everybody thinks that kevin sumlin is going to make you better yeah not yet he hasn't been in he hasn't enough stops but I, did anybody how many people out there I think uh, you, your Wildcat you fans were pretty stoked when they got Kevin Well, Sumlin. that's what I'm saying. But how many people expected uh, the performance in this order? Herm Edwards, Kevin Sumlin, Chip Kelly. <laughs> that is quite the lineup. You know, but I mean, Herm Edwards was the best of the three. Kevin Sumlin only slightly better than Chip Kelly, and Chip Kelly terrible. Yeah. Well, he was, I think. Chip Kelly, this year will be a better indicator. I think he was I, playing with some pretty bad cards last I, year. I completely agree, but what I'm saying, though, is I think the South in the Pac-12 is wide open. Yeah. I know that everybody's taking Utah, but it does feel weird, and I think that those three, along with USC, are going to have a say before the, the season's done. And if you're Arizona, you have the first chance to prove what you have, like you said, with Khalil Tate and then Kevin Sumlin. I think those guys very disappointed with last season. Give me Colorado. All right. What to Watch is brought to you by our friends at Encore Audio Video. If you're going to add a new home theater, just a big TV for football season, now's the time to do it. Start by stopping by the Encore Audio Video showroom, 14th and Everett, in the Pearl. All right. I already told you what I'm watching. I'm doing the double feature. I'm getting a VHS tape of Necessary Roughness, and I'm watching it right after I watch my VHS tape 
of Major League. I'm going to look for very similar themes in both of those movies, and I'll report back next week. What are you watching outside of sports, Mr. Darkness? Uh, outside of sports, that's going to be a difficult one for me this week because uh, last night I attempted to watch Take Me Home Tonight with Topher Grace. Oh, really? Why would you do that? Well, it was one of those, and I'm sure everybody Were else you is. you drunk? Did you fall off the wagon? No, no, no. Not high. Oh, you'll know. You'll know. I will have watched 2001 A Space Odyssey many times. <laughs> No, it was one of those things where, like, we sat down, my fiancé and I, and we were like, well, what do we want to watch? Because we didn't really have anything planned for Friday. And we were just flipping through Netflix, and I was just like, you know what? I want to watch a comedy, and I've either seen all these or I don't want This is the most attractive option. Yeah. And I tried it, and oh, my goodness. It was a mistake. Yeah. I it is a that. terrible movie. So here's what here's what I was thinking. This thought occurred to me. It's bad. I understand what you're saying. This thought occurred to me earlier in the week, and it just it's something rekindled it about you laughing at the idea of watching Major League and Necessary Roughness, which I'm honestly not going to do. But so you lied. Of course I did. Often. Um, so one of the one of the ideas that I had is you you always give me a hard time about not embracing social media. Yes. Yeah. You call me an old person. You are. I know. I don't disagree with you. I never said you were wrong about saying it. It's just know, one I'm of just the confirming. things that give me a hard time, hard time about. I, maybe I will start my campaign this week, and I will solicit the interwebs to put together a list of the movies that I need to watch. Because what one thing I do is somebody was trying to figure out what movie these two actors were in, and I was able to identify the movie, which I'm pretty good at, but from the trailer. I've never seen the movie, and I just go, oh, you're talking about da-da-da. And they're like, oh, did you see it? And I'm like, no. I do that all the time. So I might make a top 100 movies to list. That way, when I have free time, I can just throw one of them on. I might use the interwebs for that this week. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. Football's on! It's on! Everybody have a great day. Next week kicks off Ducks. Uh, we will get you set up for that next Saturday. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.